Hey, faithful listener. Thanks for tuning in to the P40 Ministries daily podcast. This podcast is dedicated to helping you grow spiritually so you can grow personally. Let's grow together by building a consistent Bible reading routine. This is Jen, your host, and today we will be discussing the book of Exodus. friends and faithful listeners. Thank you for tuning in to the P40 Ministries podcast with your hosts, Jen and Jamie. Yes, my sister is back on the podcast this morning and she's going to be joining us for the Exodus recap episode that we're doing from uh, Exodus 1 all the way through 20. So there's actually 40 chapters in Exodus and we are actually well past the middle of Exodus, but I thought it would be a good idea to do a recap episode mainly because since we're so far in, I think it's just good to go back and like remember the basics of Exodus as we continue on so that we don't forget everything that was happening at the beginning. But anyway, Jamie is here with me. So uh, James, say hi to everybody. Hello. Thanks for having me back. I appreciate it. And uh, she was just showing me some more of her house because I don't know if you guys remember, but she's a DIYer. Yeah. <laughs> she and her husband do all these great projects on their house and uh, I'm jealous I wish I had that kind of talent but you you are very talented in in so many ways so you would you just didn't do it in the house or the construction area of that so (laughs) well well, thanks but no I just don't have the patience for it and I think that's most of the battle is like having (laughs) the patience to do something because I feel like a lot of people could actually do more than they do but I think part of having like a talent for something is having the enjoyment and patience for that talent. Well, I think with the <laughs> with house houses, the problem is that you think that you're doing a project, but then you open up the wall and that's not that big of a deal. But then all of a sudden there's like a major plumbing issue or just it just then there's termite damage or there's some kind of electrical problem that needs repaired and then it becomes a nightmare. So nobody wants to get that far in. And that's, that's the truth. I agree. Let's just cover it all up (laughs) or pay somebody to do it. Like, for example, my bathroom light now has been non-functioning for a few weeks and I am so frustrated with it. And yeah, I put a nightlight in there. (laughs) Just like whatever at this point. I'm so tired of it. But anyway, let's go ahead and talk about Exodus. So we're going to talk about Exodus 1 through 20. So you remember in Genesis, we were talking about uh, Joseph, the life of Joseph, which was one of my favorite things to talk about pretty much ever. And um, we finished that and everybody that came to Egypt at the time of Joseph, which was his 75 family members, uh, they came and they became kind of prolific they were basically like populating Egypt so much that the Egyptians got really scared. So we see in Exodus chapter one that the Egyptians were getting really, really scared and decided to take the Jewish people, the Hebrew people, and like bring them into captivity, basically. So they like brought all these people into captivity for like 400 years. It wasn't 400 years, but it was a long time. The the people were in Egypt for 400 years, but that doesn't mean they're in captivity for that long. But they were very much in captivity for quite a quite a while they were becoming threatening right so yes the threat 
to the Pharaoh was that, yeah, they needed to be taken care of. And this would be what the Egyptians saw as the, the complete problem solver for this. Yes. But they liked the workforce. <laughs> I'm sure they did. Yes. So they liked that as well. So I don't know if they, they thought of them as a threat, but they also thought of them as a useful resource to get their work done. Yeah, and then apparently, but they, they were still scared. They, they kept uh, growing and multiplying in number, so they still had that threat, even though they were, you know, slaves. So they just kept multiplying, and then, of course, now again, they're they're threatening, and so Pharaoh had to take care of that too. So, Jane, what did he do? He uh, ordered the the killing of all those babies. Yes. Yeah, and so the male babies. Yes. He didn't care about the females. He wanted the females to be born. <laughs> yeah. And the midwives, they made excuses and said that, you know, oh, we can't control this because these women are so strong. They're just given, uh, they're just, they give birth and then they're up and we're, we can't take care of these babies because the midwives were commanded to not let them live. And then um, God was kind to the midwives and then the people became stronger and more numerous. So what happened was the uh, midwives, the Egyptian midwives, or possibly Jewish midwives, forced to be midwives, were uh, forced to like kill the babies, the male babies, as they were basically coming out of the womb. But so the midwives, would they went to Pharaoh and they were like, yeah, these women are just popping out babies left and right. Can't, can't, <laughs> I can't do it fast enough. I mean, they're just Yeah, vigorous. we can't get there fast enough. Yeah, they're just vigorous. They're, they're popping out these babies before we get there. And so the Pharaoh believed them. <laughs> <laughs> so that's how much it shows, like how, how much of a threat these people were to the Pharaoh that they believed. I mean, the Pharaoh believed that. And he, he actually thought that these women were that vigorous, that they were having children, you know, without midwives and stuff. So, I mean, I think there was still that rule in place, though, that if a baby was found that was a male, he was supposed to be killed. So he was to be thrown in the Nile, but every girl could live. And we see that later on with the pharaoh. I think, it, where was it? He wanted, yeah, he wanted the women and children to stay behind, but that wasn't until way later after Moses was on the scene. Right. Yeah, he wanted the women and the children to stay behind. So anyway, <clears throat> after that, the uh, the children that were women were allowed to live or baby or, you know, girls were allowed to live. But then it says here that this baby Moses was born. And the reason the mother wanted to keep him was because she saw how beautiful this baby was. Isn't that interesting? So I wonder if like God put like his spirit onto Moses or something to make this baby like extra beautiful as compared to other babies. I don't know. I mean, but also that natural love a mom has for her child. So, I mean, I would guess that that was in play as well. But one way or the other, this mom did not want to get rid of Moses. But even so, when Pharaoh's daughter found him, she kept him. So perhaps he was extremely beautiful. But, you know, I mean, obviously a mother's love, we don't know because who would want to do that to their child? But she was willing to risk everything to save him. And he probably was beautiful because they let him be, you know, kind of royalty there for a while. Mm-hmm. Because the mom hid him and then made this basket for him and like floated him down the Nile River. And the basket ended up at the Pharaoh's daughter's like room, which would probably be near the Nile River. And so then this this 
Pharaoh's daughter saw this baby and thought he was super cute and wanted to keep him. She had compassion on him is what it says. Yeah. So Moses was like practically living with royalty. He was the adopted son of Pharaoh's daughter. So he knew how all this stuff worked because he lived in the palace for many, many years. But of course, he knew of his Jewish background because uh, the Pharaoh's daughter wanted to find like a nurse for this baby. Yeah, a wet nurse for this baby. So she ended up hiring Moses' mom. (laughs) So she got to keep him until he was weaned, which we don't really know how long that is. I mean, in in our culture, that would be pretty young, but it could have been a little bit longer in a different culture, quite a bit longer. Yeah, it could have been for quite a while. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Some people like guesstimate like five or six. Right. Moses eventually ended up living with Pharaoh's daughter after that. But he was able to learn from his mom and learn all that stuff at the very beginning. And I mean, Jane, you have a five or a six year old. She's going to be six soon. So, I mean, yeah, you already know that like her mind is very ready to learn. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I mean, even a three or four year old, if you're just putting the right things, they, they just have minds like sponges. And so that was his foundation. And I think that's just so important. Um, and it's amazing that she had faith that Moses's mom had the faith to do this, even though I'm sure it was terrifying. And he, she hid him for three months and, you know, all the times that maybe she thought she was going to get caught and then letting your baby go down the Nile river in a basket. I cannot imagine. And then she's allowed to be paid to actually take care of her son as a slave. And that's her job. I mean, that is fantastic to have that reunion there. And then, um, of course she knew and gave him up to God again, obviously when he had to go to live with Pharaoh's daughter. I think at this point though, she was just excited that his life was saved. No doubt. She knew that this was from God. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm she sure had she to know like, this is, this is amazing. This doesn't happen. And I can't believe all this happened. So she, she saw God's hand working through Moses. Isn't there a verse actually in Hebrews that talks about the faith of Moses's mother? Like by faith, she hid Moses in Hebrews. I think there is. Chapter 12 or 13 in Hebrews? Probably. Ah, okay. I got it. It's actually Hebrews eleven twenty three, And it's not just his mother. In my version, it says his parents hid him for three months after he was born and that he was not ordinary. And they weren't, and it says that they weren't afraid of the king's edict. Interesting. It doesn't seem like Moses's parents were afraid actually about any of it when you kind of read through it in Exodus chapter two. It does not seem like they were very scared of everything. But the reason she ended up floating Moses down the Nile River was because he was getting older. And as he was getting older, he was crying more. Yeah. And it gets, it gets loud because you think when, when, I don't know, when I had my child, I only have one. I thought when she was like an infant, wow, she, she cries pretty loudly, but then you realize that's not loud at all. It's just like this. I mean, you can keep it pretty quiet. It's not that bad, but then it gets serious when they get a little older. So, um, yeah. So obviously she just couldn't, he's too big. He's not, you know, they get to that age. They want to be kind of moving around and they're not content to just, you know, sleep and yeah and I, my daughter was never content to sleep she was always it, I don't <laughs> always acting up like always um loud kind of but 
maybe Moses was just a gentle baby, but either way, it was God ordained. However, that was. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But she knew at that point she had to do something to protect Moses's life. And that's what she thought up floating him down the Nile River. And then Miriam, his sister, was watching the basket, which is why when it ended up at Pharaoh's daughter's door or whatever, and Pharaoh's daughter saw it, Miriam was able to go up to Pharaoh's daughter in faith, basically, and not in fear and be like, hey, Pharaoh's daughter, I know of a wet nurse. (laughs) Yeah. So then that's how Moses's mom got hired. And I've always wondered if they knew. Do you think, you know, did she know that that was his mother or did she care? I think that's really interesting. So I'm sure there were a lot of available Hebrews that could have done the job because, you know, if you had a boy, you weren't allowed to keep it. So chances are. Yeah, that's true. So it worked out perfectly. And that's how Moses was born. So then after this, in Exodus 2, towards the end, Moses gets in trouble because it kind of like fast forwards to him being older. And at this point, he believes he was going to be the deliverer of Israel because it was kind of prophesied about that Israel after 400 years would go back to the promised land. So Moses believed that he was going to be that deliverer. He's kind of making himself like the judge of some of the people. So then like he find like he kills this Egyptian guy who was like uh beating this man. Like on purpose he kills this Egyptian guy and he's like making himself like the judge a little bit. So then at this point, it, everybody finds out that Moses killed that Egyptian guy and uh, he runs for his life because the Pharaoh at that time, who would have been like his adopted grandfather, I guess, was trying to kill him. And, and I think about this because imagine if like there was a king in England, right, or a place like that, and <laughs> his daughter adopted a son, but from like a different country. In fact, that country was hated and the son went out and killed an Englishman. Like that would be absolutely horrific. Everybody would hate that, understandably. So then that's why Moses like fled for his life. It's like a similar situation to that. And then obviously the Pharaoh was trying to kill Moses. Yeah, like look what we did for you. We had we had mercy on you. Yeah, exactly. We we raised you. We uh, we gave you these graces and how do you repay us? You're going to turn your back on us and and basically be a, a criminal an outlaw. Yeah. So he had to run. Yeah, he had to. And uh, he was considered a murderer at that point, which is what God later on talks about in his law, that thou shalt not murder, which we'll talk about in a second. But anyway, so Moses like flees for his life and uh, lives with this man named Jethro. And he ends up marrying one of Jethro's daughters. And this like family just like takes him in out of the goodness of their hearts, basically. And he becomes a shepherd of Jethro's flocks so then at this point he encounters God and this is many many years later like that Pharaoh was dead the one that tried to kill him there was a brand new Pharaoh this was a long time later and Moses was actually kind of old at this point and so God like comes to him like in the form of this burning bush and tells him all this stuff probably um he was very content with his life at this point he's been living in Midian with this family he has his own family. He's a shepherd. And I, you know, I wonder if he ever thought he'd go back. He just, why would he go back? He, he has a simple life now, yes. a happy, simple life. Yes, exactly. He has a happy, simple life. He doesn't think of himself as the deliverer anymore or the like chosen one or whatever. 
He just thinks of himself as like a husband and a shepherd. Exactly. And uh, that's what his role was. So then, yeah. So then like God calls him to something completely different when Moses is pretty old at this point. Like I said, completely new career change. And God's like, Moses, Moses, go back to Egypt. <laughs> I I think, I don't know if he's still, if he's feeling fear, but he kind of had some reservations that he told God about like, I'm sorry, I, I can't, I can't do that because, you know, I'm not good at speaking or I, I, yeah, I can't, I can't do that. Yeah. He fought with God for, uh, for a long time and God like got mad at the end of it because at the end he's like, do you not believe in who I am that I can deliver these people? And God was like basically telling Moses, he's the best person for this job. And then Moses like, no, I'm not. How could I be the best person for this job? So like some of those insecurities that he had before are just coming back full force. But then like he wasn't also he wasn't believing in God's call for him and just did not want to do it. He did not want to do it. You can see him several times, even after his talk with God, how he just did not want to do it. <laughs> yeah. And I'm sure it was difficult. Yeah. Because yeah. even when he's like in Egypt, he's still having like reservations about it. It wasn't until like well into the plagues that he actually got comfortable. Exactly. Like it, it took a while. And we do have to remember, we were talking about the faith of Moses's parents. So Hebrews again, the next verse, Hebrews eleven twenty four, talks about Moses that when he had grown up, he refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. And so what he chose was to be mistreated along with the people of God. And so he did have faith. So we're not, we're not saying like, okay, he didn't have faith, but you know, you go through struggles sometimes or these insecurities, doubts. And I think that's what we're seeing here is just, I I saw what happened in Egypt, but that doesn't work. I I mean, I tried to make a difference. There's no difference to be made. Those people are hard. There's no hope there. Maybe he's feeling that at this point. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. And set in his ways. (laughs) Like you said, he's content. He's content. He's learned a different way. Maybe, you know, that he, he was used to the, just the riches of Egypt. And now he knows that, you know, faith in God and having a simple life was easier than living in a wicked, uh, a wicked household. Yeah. Yeah. I can agree with that. And, uh, I mean, at that point, like he, so he's, he's just fighting with God. He doesn't want to go back. So God's finally like, yeah, you're going to go back. And there's some trouble getting him to go back. And eventually God's like, okay, maybe Aaron, your brother, can help you. But I don't think it's interesting because we do see later on, which we haven't even gotten there yet in the podcast, that Aaron ends up being a lot of trouble for Moses several times. Aaron, like, he, he does a lot of weird stuff. Well, he, <laughs> he asked for, you know, that's what he wanted. And, you know, you don't see Aaron talking a lot like, you know, just... Like for Moses, Moses seems to take that role over. And yeah, there are some troubles. Yeah, it's just funny because like Moses is like, I need Aaron to speak for me. And at the very beginning, we do see Aaron speaking because Moses was so unconfident in his own speech. And we don't know if he had a speech impediment or what, or he was just afraid to talk. I don't know. But God was like, fine, Aaron can do the talking for you. So then he like lets Aaron like meet up with Moses and they go to Egypt together. At that point, though, you're right. Absolutely right, James. Like after a while, Aaron is never talking. <laughs> like he's barely a part of stuff. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he definitely must have started Moses out, you know, just like, OK, 
here's a jump start for you or something. I, I don't know. To like help him regain that confidence in what he was supposed to do. But even so, I mean, God was saying the entire time, like, Moses, you're the one for this job. And Moses is like, no, I'm not. And so then God's like, okay, fine. Aaron's here for you. And then God ended up being right. Moses was the one for that job. <laughs> yes. And then that takes you to the end where it will end. And Aaron basically, you know, designing a, a golden yeah. calf for the people to worship and saying that this is the God that brought you out of Egypt. So yeah, that's trouble. That's trouble. Yeah, that came out of Aaron's mouth. And didn't Aaron like, I think he also did like a mutiny or something too, like later on against Moses. Yeah, there was just a lot of complaining. Yeah. <clears throat> and then he was like criticizing Moses. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There was always tons of complaints. Okay. But anyway, so then after this, Moses reluctantly goes back to Egypt with his brother. Then the plagues start happening because God's like, I am going to show the nation of Egypt who I am. And that's kind of the whole premise of those plagues. It wasn't, it was to get the people out of there, obviously, the Hebrew people, but it was also to show the Egyptian people that they should be worshiping God. And I actually read something interesting. It was a um, historical document. Like, I, I don't know, but it was saying that after the plagues or around that time period, you know, because people, his, historians kind of don't like to say that the plagues happened, but after that time period, Egypt kind of went into like a dark age. So it's it's kind of interesting that that happened. His, historically, that did happen. Egypt from the time period after the Hebrews left went into like a dark age. Like Egypt was still around. It's still around to this day. God did not destroy them, but he did uh, put a damper on a lot of the stuff they were doing. Yeah, he was glorified through it and he used that so the nations knew and then the Hebrews had a reputation at that point. So whether they realized it or not, mm -hmm. it was like, oh, those people that their God, yeah, were, whoa. <laughs> you know, they were terrified. Some of these people were terrified. Don't mess with those guys. Yeah, they knew. But I don't think that the Hebrews realized that at that point or ever. I don't know. I don't think they did either. Because, I mean, they wouldn't have tried to, like, follow other gods at that point if they did re recognize that. Well, maybe they would have. I don't know. But, <laughs> but like, they, uh, yeah, they. I don't think... They recognize that either, but that's a good point because it does say that the nations would be afraid of the Israelites. Because can you imagine, like, back in those days, I mean, news tra probably traveled very slowly, but by the time, like, it got to you, Egypt is in ruins, and you're like, holy cow. <laughs> what just happened? <laughs> yeah. The slaves, the there was an uprising. And, and the slaves are all gone, and yeah. Oh, man, that would be very scary, especially back then, like, when you, you don't understand some of the stuff that's going on. And I mean, yeah, that would be really, really terrifying. But so God sends 10 plagues to the Egyptians. And I don't know. I, I mean, it says in the Bible they happen back to back to back kind of. But there could have been gaps in between these plagues. Because um, of like a couple months or something. I don't know. Because the Pharaoh continues to forget about each individual plague. He kind of remembers. But he's, he's in his own little Pharaoh world also. He doesn't want to admit it. And, you know, you said this gap. It does say, like, after after the river, there was a seven-day a seven day gap. So we do know that there was a week there. You know, we don't really know, but that's how it's written so that it's back-to-back. -back. Yeah. It could have it been, like, a year or so or a couple of years before God actually got the entire nation of Israel out of there. I don't know. I mean, I'm not, that's just my own speculation, though. I don't actually know that. But um, anyway, God sends these 
10 plagues. And the first one is the blood of the Nile. And uh, actually, each of these individual plagues was God targeting a different Egyptian god at the time. So, um, yeah, I mean, the first god that God, Yahweh, was attacking was Hopi, I believe. Happy? Hopi? It was the god of the Nile River. They would worship the Nile River, the Egyptians. So then when the entire Nile River turns to blood, they're probably like, huh, I wonder why our God isn't helping us out. So, yeah, I mean, it was it was just God attacking each individual God, and like Egyptian God. And that their priests were also uh, mimicking and using satanic powers to, oh, this is what happened. They're explaining all of these miracles away. Just, oh, no, 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 that, that's no just forget what you saw i mean here we can we can kind of um yeah do it our way i i don't know I, that movie the prince of egypt it makes me laugh if you've ever seen that I, it's one of my favorite children's movies it's not quite biblically accurate but it's good it's cute it's a good movie and the music score though but anyway <laughs> i just love how in that movie, if you've ever seen it, they have their little priests and they call them Hotep Hoy and Hotep and Hoy. And that's not actually yeah, their biblical name. That's yeah. not the names. Um, but they have but like they probably had more powder. than two priests, too. Yeah, <laughs> they had a lot. Of yes. <laughs> so they they have this little like powder and they're just like the power of raw. And they like throw this like powder in the water. And it turns red. And they're like, we did the same thing. <laughs> yeah. And now I, I do think that they were working off of satanic power, but it just did show that, you know, they were doing things. It was fake and it was mm -hmm. not by, it was not the truth they were hiding. And so these people really probably at first maybe were like, oh, what happened to our God? And then, you know, it was, this is what happened. And then all of that propaganda came out. Yes. And then they, st they probably still worship the gods. I mean, it is interesting to think about because, I mean, in the Prince of Egypt, the movie, they um, everything that they did, the priests was like some sort of trick, like it was like trickery. So, I mean, that's interesting. And and I, I kind of like that concept because demonic pow powers are often trickery, I believe, lies. So, I mean, it's an it's an interesting concept, but it does say in the Bible that they were actually able to turn their rods into snakes. Yes. So it doesn't say that. Yeah. So definitely some sort of satanic presence was happening there. And actually, it does say in the Bible, I think it was Jeremiah I read this in, that the people, when they turn from God, are actually worshiping Satan. Or like, not Satan, but they're worshiping demonic influences and, and demons and stuff. Exactly. Yes. And we see that demons throughout the Bible do have some sort of uh, supernatural power in a lot of different cases. They, they can do some things, but they can't do a lot of things. <laughs> no. And deceit. Deceit is such a great power. So they do have, you know, power you know, that they could turn a snake, a stick into a snake or something. But a lot of their power is just deceit. Yeah, I agree. And lies. And uh, making people believe that they're more powerful than they are. I think that's a big one. I read uh, a book called The Bondage Breaker. And, um, oh gosh, who was that by? I can't remember. But it talked all about like demonic presence and how demons are not as powerful as we believe them to be. That book helped me kind of get over my fear of demons. I had a really weird fear of demons for a long time. And that book like helped me understand that demons are mostly just deceivers. We have a lot of power over them, especially since Christians, we have the Holy Spirit inside of us. 
But I mean, that's kind of going off onto a rabbit trail a little bit. But yes, these priests were definitely using some sort of satanic influence to do what they were doing. And then after um, all this happens with like the snakes and the Nile River and everything, it says that this plague of frogs happened. And that was directly targeting a god called Hecate. Hec- Hec- I don't know. Hecate or something. I can't pronounce these. I'm sorry. <laughs> but that... <laughs> But that Egyptian god had the head of a frog, actually. And they would worship the frogs as a sign of, like, new life. That was like a springtime worship that the Egyptians would go through. They worshiped the Nile River along with the frogs as, like, uh, because the Nile River would flood. And that flood would produce, like, water for their crops. And then frogs would come out and stuff. So they worshiped that as, like, the sign of new life. And uh, then there was this plague of lice from earth so like the earth like turned into lice and this lice was like going all over everybody oh i can't even imagine that'd be so gross it was like crawling all over their animals and all over the people and this was attacking the god of the earth which was geb and yeah oh i can't even imagine having lice all over me but it's (laughs) translated differently (laughs) like sometimes it's translated as little gnats sometimes it's translated as lice it just depends on the version you read Either way. something happened out of the earth where some sort of gross... Yes, it doesn't matter. Some sort of gross little bug was coming out of the earth. If you've ever had lice, you don't want it to be lice. But if it were gnats, like, you you would have to, like, wear, like, a rag over your face or something so you could breathe because that would be bad, too. I don't know. Either either way, it's bad. It would just be terrible. Yeah, it's, it's gross. Yeah. So the next plague was the flies, which was attacking the fly god, which was Kepri. And this god had the face of a fly. I don't know why you'd ever worship something as vile as a fly. Ugh, I hate flies so much. They're little Satan spawns. They are so disgusting. (laughs) Have you ever looked at a fly up close? It is like this little, like, thing that came up from the depths of hell. It is so gross. (laughs) I hate flies so much. And they're buzzing. Everything about a fly is just disgusting to me. So right after these like gnats or lice comes this fly plague and they're like worshiping these flies. I don't know why. But then uh, after that, that's when we see like the people kind of turning towards God a little bit. The Egyptian people, because God specifically states for this next plague, I'm not going to attack everybody. It's only the people that choose not to listen. And it ended up being the death of the cattle. And that was attacking the cattle God, which the Egyptian people historically worshipped all sorts of different kinds of cattle, sheep. Uh, cows, goats, they worshipped everything, pretty much. I think I told a story once on my podcast where um, a nation was attacking Egypt at one point, and they actually put a cow out front. And because the Egyptian people worshipped the cow so much, they didn't want to attack because this like line of cows was like standing in front of the army. So then that army like demolished Egypt wow. or something. I don't know. Like that. That's how. That's how much they worship these animals. But it's like they're gods, so it would be, this is a sign, we can't hurt it. Uh, so, yeah, mm-hmm. they can. Yeah. Yeah, they weren't allowed to like kill any of these things. They weren't allowed to swat at the flies. They weren't allowed to kill frogs. You know, I mean, imagine if like your house was covered in frogs. You would be killing frogs left and right as you step on them. You'd have to like sweep your feet everywhere in order to like get these frogs out. Then another frog would jump underneath. How could you move? Oh, and we see that for the first couple times, actually, e- um, Israel is also affected by these plagues. It wasn't just Egypt. We see a lot of times that Israel, or I'm sorry, yeah, Israel was um, not affected by the plagues. But the first couple ones, it actually says everybody was affected. So I think that was also a call to 
Israel to be like, hey, God is here. Yahweh is here. You better listen up. (laughs) And, you know, just these people, if they've been there for 400 years, they're under that influence. It's just, that's normal. That's what we've worshiped. And I'm sure there were a lot of people that did fear God. And then there were probably a lot more that just went along with Egypt because that was what was popular. That's what um, they saw every day. Exactly. We see that. It's a huge influence. Oh, yeah. it was a, Their gods were a huge influence on the Israeli people because they actually wanted to go back to Egypt multiple times. And uh, even with that calf, that golden calf, when, I mean, like I said, we're going to discuss that later. But when that happened, I mean, I just said how much these Egyptian people worshipped this calf. Or, I'm, I mean, you know, the cattle. So, I mean, that was a direct influence. And Aaron came from that, too. You know, Aaron, Moses' brother, he came from all that. Maybe that's why Moses was separated out of that culture. You know, he he believed in who Yahweh was and um, didn't end up worshiping some of those gods. He ended up staying with a priest in Midian. Exactly. Maybe he kind of came back to uh, knowing. He had that faith anyway because he he left. He wanted to do that delivering, but he left. So he did have the faith. but when it's just pounded into you, you know, sort of that brainwashing of this is what you're going to do. This is how we live here in Egypt. And then to be separated and living in Midian, um, maybe with someone who was stronger, definitely in his faith. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. For sure. So then at this point, uh, these boils happen, which was attacking the god Isis, which was a medical god. Then hail happened, which was attacking Newt, the sky god. Then locusts happened, which ate all the stuff, and that was attacking Seth, which was the god of calamity. So then after this, darkness, which was attacking the sun god, Ra. Which, that was their big god, right? That was like... Pharaoh and Ra were their two big gods. Ra was like, I think, their biggest. And, uh, you know, that was the sun god. So they worshipped the sun. And they worshipped Pharaoh as the son of the sun god. (laughs) So this was not only attacking Ra, but also Pharaoh, because... Yes. Oh, yeah. And, well, I mean, the last plague, though, was a direct attack on Pharaoh. Right. As, um, yeah, because Pharaoh's son ended up dying in that one. That was the big plague at the very end, where God was like, yeah, this big plague is going to happen if you guys don't listen to me. And so Pharaoh finally did not listen. But plenty of Egyptians did, I believe, because we do see that the... um, Many, many Egyptians actually left with the Israeli people. So this was, you know, it wasn't just stuck. You know, it wasn't just for the Israeli people, all this stuff. Moses was probably proclaiming this to everybody. And it wasn't, you know, the Egyptians were allowed to follow, um, you know, the Israeli people and, and many of the things that they did. So when the attack on the sons happened, the firstborn sons, I kind of think that in a way that was sort of God- not just attacking Pharaoh, but kind of getting back at the Egyptians for trying to kill all those babies in a way. I don't know. I mean, just kind of like being like, look, this is how it feels to, I don't know. That's kind of me though. <laughs> I don't know if God would do that, but, <laughs> but like, <laughs> that's kind of my own speculation. on. But that. it certainly did reflect, it reflected from what they did. Although God is righteous and he does, he does have judgments. Um, but yeah, they, they lost their firstborn sons, but they didn't lose all of their sons. Mm-mm. 
just the firstborns. No, that's what the Egyptians were killing all of them. Um, and this was for people who their hearts were very hard. God is getting their attention. So this wasn't just, okay, you're Egyptian. This is going to happen. This is revenge and death. It was just, you need to wake up. It is time to listen. So then at that point, Pharaoh does actually listen, kind of, and lets the people all go, (laughs) kind of. But then immediately he, yes, then his workforce (laughs) is all gone, though. For a second. So the Israeli people leave, and actually the Egyptians wanted them out of there so badly after all this happened that they finally were recognizing Yahweh as their God. And they like give all this stuff to the Israeli people for them to leave. They're like giving them their gold, their clothes, like tons of stuff they're giving to these people so that they just leave. So the people leave, take all the Egyptian stuff with them. A lot of Egyptians left with them. A ton of like, ton of people, slaves, Egyptians, captured people from other countries, all left with the Israeli people. And uh, Pharaoh realizes he doesn't have any people left to work. It's over. And he's yeah. like, what did I do? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So what does he do at that point? He thinks that he's still able to have this like fight with God. He Does he really think that he's going to win now? He's going to go after them again. Yeah. I, goes, I can't imagine. So yeah, then the Pharaoh like thinks that he's going to go after these people. And uh, yeah, that's kind of the end of that. God's like, nope. And he like basically ends up splitting the Red Sea so that the people can go through. And then he crashes the sea back down on the Egyptian people, which is one of the biggest miracles and most talked about miracles in the Bible (laughs) to this day. So, I mean, that miracle was definitely remembered throughout all the generations of God's power. Yeah. So that's kind of the end of that. But um, because we are sort of running out of time, I'm just going to run through these last chapters real quick. It actually says that after this, Exodus 14 and 15, after the people are completely saved, they never have to go back to Egypt again. They end up, uh, I'm sorry, through Exodus 16 through 20, they end up actually testing God. (laughs) They get unhappy with everything that they're doing and they want meat, they want uh, food, they want bread, all this stuff, which is funny because they actually had all this stuff because they had cattle. They had tons of cattle with them. They had so much cattle. I never even thought of that. Yeah, they had meat. They had plenty of meat. And they just wanted that bread. They wanted all the foods they could remember back at Egypt. So they were unhappy that their food was all gone. Their delicious delicacies from Egypt. And I just want to say, you know, it's for me, it's really easy for me to be judgmental. Like, what is your problem? You just saw these, these plagues. You saw the miracles. You walked through the sea. Okay. (laughs) Who does that? How could you do that? You, you had a pillar, uh, you know, leading you and yet now you're just complaining. And, but I just, Oh, I always have to remind myself. I I do the same thing when I, I see God do something. I, I know God's working. And then the next day it's like, I forget I'm doing my own thing. So I think it's just human nature. Just, we, we have to go back to God Mm -hmm. and we, we forget. We forget so easily. So it's a good reminder to go through this and think, okay, I can do that too. I need to be remembering these things that God has done in my life. Yes. And you know what? It's funny that you mentioned that because I enjoy food a lot. So to me, 
I can imagine that like if I was stuck out in this like wilderness, I probably wouldn't be too happy that I don't have my food either. It's like when a restaurant goes out of business and you're like, no, no, I'll never taste that again. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Yeah. Like I like Mexican food a lot, like a lot. I could eat Mexican almost every day. I think if like I was unable to eat Mexican for like a year, I would be very, very unhappy. I'd be like, man, I got to find some Mexican food. I don't know. Maybe it would be shorter than that. (laughs) I mean, I don't even eat it like weekly or monthly, but I think it would take a while, especially if you're used to that kind of cuisine and then all of a sudden you don't have it anymore. Yes. I mean, I can imagine that would be like kind of a tough trial, but also they should have been like just thankful they were out of Egypt, that God was like bringing them this manna from heaven, which manna means what is it? No one knows what it is. It's just like something God invented and like it poured out of the heavens, but it was edible and it was sweet. Is what it says. It tasted like honey and wafers. So that kind of reminds me of like baklava. Like that crispy, uh, is that Hungarian? Is mm. that a Hungarian dessert? Um, I don't know. I don't know what it is. It's good though. But it's good. Yeah, it's good. It has like honey in it and it has like these like wafery paper stuff on top of it. That's kind of what it reminds me of. So yeah, that's kind of the end of it. Except in Exodus 20, at the very end, God gives the people the Ten Commandments because they're constantly tempting him. They're constantly testing him. They're making him angry. So finally God's like, okay, you guys need some rules. (laughs) So he speaks the Ten Commandments from the sky so that the entire congregation can hear. And uh, the congregation don't want to hear it. They actually end up... uh, Like saying, we can't hear God's voice or or we're going to die. Yeah, to see that, I, I mean... I think that would be amazing, but it just seemed like they not only, I mean, we joke about the food and yes, they were complaining about the food, but it seems like they were missing their gods. They were missing their comforts. But see, that's what I wonder about. Like how much comfort did they really have? I know. It was like the good old days. I I don't know what kind of comfort that their gods that are fake could even give them or why did they want to go back? But it was something they were used to, kind of like, well, I don't, I, I fear the unknown, but they had something that they knew, even though it was not a good life, it was, I don't know, in their comfort zone. Yeah, well, I mean, but here's the thing, though, they knew it was going to happen. They were going to be brought into the promised land. Yeah, they didn't have the faith, a lot of them. They just didn't have the faith to believe it. I don't understand it. Yeah, I don't know either. But anyway, that was the Exodus recap episodes. But uh, tune in tomorrow and we will be talking about Mark chapter 9 and be finishing out that chapter. And I'm actually going to do a Mark uh, recap episode next week, I believe on Tuesday the 9th. So join me then at 6 a.m. or whenever you wake up. But unfortunately, my sister will not be joining me for that particular episode, but that'll be okay. But friends, I hope you enjoyed this episode with my sister and I, and I'm just going to cut it short right now just because we have really, really talked about this for a long time. And, uh, you know, I'll let you guys go for now. But as I say at the end of every single podcast episode, happy listening and God bless.